This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. The name of Jesus, man, isn't that awesome? I love that, man. Both those songs back to back were just perfect, man. It's, it's Jesus and only Jesus, right? Amen. It's, it's his, the name of Jesus changes everything and all things. And it, it saves souls. It redeems souls. It sets us free. It gives us life. I mean, it's, it's powerful, man. It's amazing. And so, oh, I love it. I love it. All right. We are in a week two of our summer series here at the River Church. And before we get started, I want you to do me a favor. Just, just find somebody and just give them a big old loud high five right now. Just give them a big loud, loud. The louder, the better. The louder, the better. That's right. We want to hear you on the live stream. Nah, there's people at this church, right? It's not just me setting up a camera every week, pretending like I have, there's a church, right? <laughs> Anyways, we're glad you're here this morning. We're starting week two of our series, Summer at the River. And uh, if you were here last week, you, you found out that we're really just talking about how to have the best summer ever. And, and what we mean by that really is reorienting our summer around Jesus. And so we talked a lot about last week about how to uh, regain the joy of summer, right? Because we talk about how there's so many things in life that we used to find joy in, we used to find happiness in, we used to just, that just gave us life. And then as we got older and started having bills and started having responsibilities and started having, you know, stress and kids and marriage and all these things on top of each other, then, then it just kind of sucked the joy out of life a little bit for us, right? And we said, man, that's not the way life is supposed to be. That's not, as specifically, that's not the way the Christian life is supposed to be. Because we have a deeper joy, we have a deeper foundation than, it, than, than even like what's happening around us at the moment. Like our joy is not our circumstances, our joy is not based on what's going on around us, but our joy is based on Jesus, our salvation, and the hope that we will always have in Him. And so uh, we, we talked a lot about last week about regaining that joy. This, this week, I want to talk about a little different route. I want to talk about summer as the palate cleanser. Summer as the palate cleanser. You know, I think of summer like I kind of think of New Year's, right? It's, it's like a time to reset. And I don't know if we're making summer resolutions, but I think of it a lot as, as New Year's, like a time to reset from the things that have been going on the last few months, right? Like our New Year's resolutions that we've already failed, right? Anybody still got any New Year's resolutions going? Raise your hand if you still got it going. I would be, I want to meet you and figure it out how you did it. We got one. Yes, one person. I think she's a liar because I know that. I know who she is. But anyways, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but, but I'm thinking of like it's a great time for us to reset the palette, to kind of start over and kind of get a refresh. You know, we go on vacations and get refreshed, and we start preparing for August and September. And, and it's a great time. Summer is a great time to kind of turn the page, right? It's a great time to turn the page onto a new chapter of life. And, and it's really kind of a natural thing, right? It's the summer's the time where people are selling homes and buying homes. It's the time where they're moving to new locations. They're starting new jobs. And, and of course, a lot of that has to do with the school you know, year. So they're moving because they want to get kids in time, get ready in time for the new school year to start. But because of that, it becomes a natural time for a new chapter, it becomes a natural time to turn the page. It becomes a natural time for new beginnings. And there are these, not just in summer, but in life, there are these huge turn the page moments that we all have. 
these huge new chapters that we all have. And I was trying to think of some of my own life. And I remember getting like my first car, right? Like getting, like getting my driver's license and being like, freedom, right? Like, yes, life is eternally different because now I can drive. And like, I'm ready. I'll, you, mom, you need some groceries. I will go to the grocery store for you, right? Like anything I can do. Like I remember my first time like getting to drive by myself. I got the driver's license and I was like, dad, I want to go see my friend. And he's like, yeah, go for it. You, 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 you do that, right? You get in the car. So I drove, I felt like such an adult and I drove the four miles or whatever, got on the highway even like crazy yeah got on the highway drove and I thought I felt so big and like an adult and I came home and found out years later that my dad followed me the whole way there like like I'm not, no freedom in that like but thank God for parents who care about you right thank God for parents who watch out for you right because I was a moron at 16 right you know like I'm not that much better now you know um I think of the first car I think of um graduation I think of college I think of flunking out of college for many of us have experienced that amen amen All right yeah there's a few of us in here um I think of getting that new job losing the job I think of getting that marriage right I think of losing that marriage right there's there's good and bad new chapters in life and we go on and on about turn the page moments whether they were good turn the page moments good new chapters or bad new chapters but the thing about these moments that we're going to talk about today is that in general, for most of us, myself included, these are kind of scary moments, right? Turn the page onto something new, a new beginning, or, 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 or stepping into something new. Change is a scary thing for us because most normal people don't like change. Like if you just love change, you might be a little off just a little bit, right? Like you might be off just a little bit. Like most people don't love change. And so these turn the page moments can become scary moments for us. But, but I want you to hear this. And if you're taking notes, this would be a good one to write down. Change is a part of life, okay? Not that part. That's, that's a good one. But this right here. But change is also a part of the Christian life. Because without change, there is no transformation, Without change, there is no transformation. And without change in us, there is no transformation in us. Without change in us, there is no transformation in us. And I think about the scriptures where I see God working in people's lives. And even throughout, you read the Bible and you see all these huge new chapter moments. You see all these turn the page moments where someone was living this life. And then God came in and God intervened. God did something. And there's this this opportunity for a new chapter. There's this opportunity for a new page, a new step, and and he gives them the chance. And and here's what I would say is God called them to this. God calls them to this moment. He steps in, and he gives them a chance, and he calls them to this turn-the-page, new-chapter moment, but they had to follow through on it. They had to choose to either stay the same, despite of what God's drawing them to and calling them to, stay the same or be changed and step into this new chapter. I think of the first one that always comes to my mind for some reason is Moses. I think about Moses, and he was in Egypt, and he left Egypt. That was a new chapter, right? Leaves Egypt, and then then as he leaves Egypt, he's kind of living in the country. He's married, living the good life, got some kids. Like, things are just going well, and then he's just walking one day, and a burning bush shows up. (laughs) And there's God in this bush, and he says, Moses, I'm calling you to something. I'm calling you to a new chapter in your life. I'm calling you to a chapter in your life that you never saw coming, that you never expected, that you probably think that you're the least likely person for this to happen to. He says, Moses, I'm going to call you to something to set my people free. And Moses did what we do. He makes a bunch of excuses. 
He tells God why he's got the wrong person, which is hilarious when we're telling the creator of the universe that he's wrong, right? No, God, you've got this twisted. You must be thinking of the other Michael Gerald that lives in like, you know, Idaho or something. Wrong guy, right? And yet eventually Moses is faced with this choice. Am I going to follow God into this new chapter? Am I going to stay the same? What I love about God, though, is he promises Moses in this moment, I'm calling you to this, but if you take this step of faith, if you do it, I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. I love that promise. I think of Paul, who was named Saul before he became Paul, and he's going around. If you don't know his story, he was like the least likely Christian because he was murdering Christians, right? That's not really somebody you expect to have this life-transforming event. He's murdering Christians. Jesus shows up to him in a vision and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul goes blind for a little while, which that would probably mess with you, right? Goes blind, and then he has this moment. He has this choice, (laughs) Am I going to follow this Jesus, this this person who just revealed himself to me, or am I going to stay the same? Am I going to turn from really this life of evil, right, evil and sin, or follow Jesus? I think of David in the Bible, the giant killer. But not just the giant. That's, of course, that's a big turn-the-page moment. That's a big event. But not even David, the giant killer, but I think of David, the adulteress. If you don't know that part of David's story, after he kills the giant, he's living as this great king, and he's walking in life, doing great, doing awesome. He thinks his army's off to battle. He's up on top of the castle, looking around, surveying his land, thinking about how awesome he is. He sees a beautiful woman. He calls her up. He has an affair with her and gets her pregnant. And then because of this, he doesn't want anybody to know, so then sin creates secrecy, right? we got to hide it. So then he has her husband murdered and tries to raise the kid as his own. And what happens is here's this huge, awful turn-the-page moment in David's life, and yet God shows up through a prophet and reveals to, Nathan, or reveals to David, David, you're in sin here. David, you're wrong. You need to turn from this. And what we see David do is he makes the choice to fall on his face before God and repent and say, God, please save me. Please heal me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's a huge turn-the-page moment. I think of the disciples who are just living their ordinary lives, and Jesus comes walking by and says, hey, follow me, right? Some of them were just fishing, right? Like, like turn-the-page moments can happen. These new chapters that God calls us to can happen when you're just living life. You're not expecting anything special or big. You're just kind of doing your thing, living life, working your job, and God shows up in your job and says, come on, follow me. Those disciples had a choice. Keep fishing or follow this guy. I think they made the right choice, right? And then I think, like I'm just walking through, and I think of every single Christian in this space who at one point in their life were living life, doing their thing, and whether it was in a church service, whether it was through a relationship with a friend, whether it was listening to worship music, whether it was whatever it was, you had the Holy Spirit of God come to you and draw you and say, I want you to know me, I want you to experience me, I want you to leave this life behind and become a Christian and follow me, and you made the choice to do it. You talk about a turn-the-page moment going from death to life, like real life. Like that's the greatest turn-the-page moment of all time, isn't it? And see, the thing about God is that there's all these like turn-the-page moments. And and what I believe for us today, River Church, is that for some of us in here today, now I'm not going to say it's for everybody, right, because sometimes I miss somebody, but for some of us in this space today, I believe it's time for a new chapter. 
For some of us in this space today, I believe that God is calling you to a turn the page moment in your life. He wants to use this summer as a palate cleanser for you to turn the page to a new phase of life. And that could play out in several different ways in your life. That could mean a lot of different things. And, and to be honest, um, I'm going to give you a few things that God kind of put in my heart this week to share with you. But for most of us, God may have already been talking to you about this. And so as soon as I say, God's calling you to turn the page moment, God's calling you a new chapter, you're like, I already know what you're talking about, jerk, right? Because <laughs> we don't like change. But maybe God's already been, I would bet, if I was a betting man, and I am if it's a sure thing, that's not really betting if it's a sure thing, right? I would bet that God's already been talking to you about this. So here's one of the first ways I think that God calls us to turn the page. And this is this one. You're just going to love this one. This is going to be your favorite one. The, one. the first thing I think God calls us to turn the page on is to turn the page on sin. That's the first blank in your notes this morning. When we were kind of getting together, Joel and I were getting together to talk about this series, the summer series, Summer at the River. We were like, what should we, what do we want the topics to be? What do we want to address? And the first thing Joel says, we should call it like summer vacation. And maybe one of the sermons could be take a vacation on sin. Like a week, Joel? Like, <laughs> no, God doesn't want us to take a vacation from sin. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to set us free from our sin, right? Like God's going to say, no, let's turn the page on sin. Let's close the book on sin, right? Like, like, and, and when I say sanctification, what that means is that's something that, that God does where he grows us closer to him. He matures us closer to him. And as we get closer to him, he starts to kill off the sin in our lives. He starts to shape us and make us look more like him. But, but here's the thing that's difficult, why we have to have a talk about let's turn the page on sin. Because unless you're totally different from me, when you become a Christian, you don't just automatically never get tempted again. Anybody? Again, like if, you, if that was you, like you became a Christian, you're like, no temptation ever. Don't feel it. Talk to me, please. I want to know your secret. I feel like we could make some money on this, right? Let's sell a book. But that's the reality of the Christian life, isn't it? Like we, we become a Christian, we follow Jesus, and there's still these things that we struggle with. There's still these things that haunt us. There's still these things that kind of seem to grip us, and I think that God wants us to turn the page on those sins. I believe that God wants to, let, let me read you something from Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. He says, he says this here, for we know that our old self, that, mean, that means before you were a Christian, our old self was crucified with him, meaning Jesus on the cross, our old self crucified with Christ on the cross in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. I like that. Since the person who has died is free from sin's claim. See, this is the scriptures telling us that God is saying once you become a Christian, sin doesn't have to own you anymore. Once you become a Christian, sin doesn't have to enslave you anymore. We used to be slaves. We used to be owned by this sin. But once we give our lives to Jesus, the power, the power of that name that we just sang about can set you free. It doesn't have to own you anymore. It doesn't have to enslave you anymore, right? But, but here's the thing is that sin, as, as Christians, we, we miss this so much. Sin is the most destructive force in your life. It's the most destructive force in your life. And if we continue in it as Christians, what's going to happen is you're going to enslave yourself again. 
You've been set free, and yet you go back to the shackles, man. And, and, and what happens is we become owned by it again, and then we start feeling guilty about it. Like we, you come to church, and I start preaching these nice, wonderful sermons, and then you just feel awful, and so you never come back. That has to be the reason, right? But it's true. You walk in, and you just feel guilty. And so what happens, though, is this is an interesting thing, because you start feeling guilty, but then that guilt turns into self-righteousness. Don't you tell me that's wrong? Right? Don't you, we start, somebody points it out or a preacher preaches on it or a friend addresses it and we get real protective of our little pet sin and we're like, don't you, don't you talk to me about that. Let me talk to you about your own sins that you have, right? Right? You're not so good at driving, Mike, right? I've heard you almost cuss, use those Christian cuss words on the road when I was driving with you, right? True, yeah. But it becomes this, it creates guilt, which turns into self-righteousness, and then it begins to separate us from God. And you're like, separate me from God, Mike? But you just said, like, guys, here, here's, here, let me give you a really good example of what I mean by this. It will destroy and mess up your relationship with God like a cheating spouse, right? Here's what I mean by that. Say you have a husband and wife, and the husband's cheating on the wife, and he comes in, and maybe the relationship is still there. They're still married. They're still together. Technically, they're still married, right? They're still together, but he comes home. You know what? Things are really jacked up, aren't they? Things are really broken. Things are really messed up. And the longer we continue in this sin, it's going to separate and divide and mess up and corrupt. And there needs to be a lot of healing in that marriage, doesn't there? There needs to be some forgiveness in that marriage. There needs to be some repentance in that marriage. And when we as Christians, we, we know God's pointing something out, saying we got to deal with this. We gotta, and, and you continue in it, continue it, and continue. That divide's going to grow. And that divide's going to get bigger and bigger, and what's going to happen is it's going to slowly destroy you. It's going to slowly destroy you. And what happens is, even after we become Christians, we have these little pet sins that we hold on to, right? Like, like we, and I call them, I keep calling them pet sins. You're like, why do you call it a pet sin? It's because we treat it like a pet. Like, we coddle it, we take care of it, we dress it up in, like, dumb little sweaters at Christmas so it looks better and cuter than it really is, right? But it's really just a little rat, right? Right? <laughs> And we say, God, I'll give you a whole lot. I'll give you my life. But this one little pet sin, I need this one, Jesus. I need this one, Jesus. And what happens is God's kind of real gracious. And maybe at first he'll let you hold on to that one. At first he'll let you stay there with and he'll let you coddle and he'll let you. But he's going to start working through your life and working through your life. And you're going to grow and mature. And the closer you get to him, the closer the sanctification thing we're talking about, the closer you get to him, eventually he's going to go, now it's time to deal with this one. Now, now it's time to deal with this one. It's time to take the next step. It's time to grow. It's time to heal here. It's time to find freedom from this here. It's, it's time to deal with this one now. And I think for some of us in the room, God is calling this to be, we keep saying the best summer ever, because this is the summer he's going to work in your life and finally set you free from that sin. He's going to work in your life, and he's pointed out, and he's finally going to move and work, and you're going to find healing and freedom. You're going to get the shackles off, man. But just like David who said, God, I repent, just like Paul who said, God, I repent, we have to be a willing participant in it. We have to be a willing participant. 
The second thing that I see God calling us to turn the page on, the first one is sin. The next thing I see God calling us to turn the page on is the past and grief, guilt. Really our past guilt. Our, our mission statement at, at the River Church is that we, we say we want to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And what we mean when we say find freedom is freedom from sin, but not just freedom from sin. We want you to find freedom from guilt and shame because how many of us know this to be true? After the sin, maybe we repent and find forgiveness, but the guilt still lingers. The, the shame still lingers. It's still hanging on. And one way the devil works in your life, and yes, I believe in the devil, one way the devil works in your life is by constantly reminding you of who you used to be. By constantly reminding you of the shame, by constantly reminding you of, of the guilt. Maybe you have a particular sin that you're really ashamed of. Maybe you have particular mistakes that you're really ashamed of. And the devil keeps bringing them up and bringing them up. And, and let me just say this once and for all. God has forgiven you if you've repented. God has forgiven you of that sin. He has set you free. But maybe the guilt still lingers. And I will say this, like some of that is natural and good, right? Like, like if, you, if you hurt somebody or sin against somebody and you don't feel guilt, that, that's, that's called being a psychopath, right? That's not, that's, not, that's not a normal thing, right? But it's not supposed to last forever. It's not supposed to be going on for, for years, right? Like the, the beautiful thing about our God is when he comes and he, we find forgiveness, there's supposed to be healing and being set free from that, from that shame, from that guilt. And God tells you, he says, I have forgiven you, you are mine. And like the woman caught in adultery, I love it. She's laying on there and everyone has, has, has condemned her and Jesus kicks everybody away and says, get out of here, man. You, you sin, you throw a rock. Oh, nobody can sin? Oh, nobody can throw a rock? Get out of here, right? That's the paraphrase. And she stands there and she looks at Jesus and Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's the same thing he says to you. So if you've come in this place and you're walking in here with shame and you're walking in here with guilt, hear those words over and over. Neither do I condemn you. Repent, right? Repent. Neither do I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. And when the devil comes and reminds you of your past sin, you tell him to go straight to his home. It's time to turn the page on guilt, River Church. And, I, and I'm not saying like, pastor says we can do whatever we want and never feel shame. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying turn from your sin. Don't let the guilt linger. Don't let the shame linger because it controls so many of us. Look, check this out. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I love this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. Old things have passed away. Look. I love that. Look. He's saying, look ahead. Look. New things have come. That's, that's what we were singing about earlier. That's what we were worshiping. Like, we we're saying, oh, I was a wretched sinner. Hallelujah. I'm not that anymore. I was, I was headed out. Hallelujah. What a Savior. That's what, that's, what we're, that's what we're raising our hands and praising Jesus for. The old... The old is gone. Look, new things have come. Jesus is good, man. He, he set us free. And a lot of times it's people on the outside, and a lot of times it's the devil, but most of the time it's us who don't let us forget, right? 
Most, most of the time, it's me who shames myself. <laughs> My, uh, <laughs> and, and like, when we do that, we have to remember who God is. Like, we, our son Gideon, we, you know, we discipline him and stuff, and like good parents, and um, a lot of those end up with timeouts, right? And a lot of times in the timeouts, it's kicking and screaming, and he's in there, and I'm like, sit on the bed, and he's like, ah, and he fly, falls off the bed, and he's screaming, ah, you know, like just a three-year-old, right? And, uh, and like I act still a lot of times. And so, but anyways, so he's screaming, yelling, crying, and he starts just hyperventilating and like getting where he just can't even control himself. And like, it's like he, he can't even calm himself down. And so he's ah, ah, just screaming, yelling, crying. And like, I, that seems more aggressive. It's more like cute than that, right? But, um, and so what will happen though is there's, there will be a point where I walk in there and I'm gonna talk to him about why are we in timeout? What do we do? What do we, but when he just gets that way, like there's been times where I've had to walk in the room and just go, Gideon, come here. And he'll just run up and hug me, and I'll hold him. And then he puts his head on my shoulder, and he just goes, <sighs> and it's like he's literally gone from, ah, <sighs> why? <laughs> because the hug of his dad makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Like knowing, like, dad loves me, dad's here, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay. And yeah, we still talk about the issues, and yeah, we still say, here's where we, we got to have a good attitude, we got to do, we got to do this, right? But there's something in there where he's just feeling these emotions and crazy, and some of us, that's it with God, like we're feeling this guilt and shame and all these emotions, we're feeling all these things, and we just, we can't get over it. And some of us need to remember that that's who our God is. Where, yeah, he's going to talk about, yeah, he's a just God. Yes, we're going to talk about the sin. Yes, we're going to deal with the sin. Yes, we're going to deal with a new life. But just come here and let me give you a hug, man. Like, Breathe. Breathe. He is also a forgiving and healing God. Let him heal you. Turn the page on guilt. Turn the page on shame. And let's live in, this summer, let's live in that new freedom, River Church. Let's live in it. God's calling you to do it this summer. And maybe for some of us in here today, you're going, well, I'm not really dealing with sin, which that's awesome. No, I'm not. God's kind of set me free from guilt and shame and I'm feeling pretty good. Praise Jesus. Like, really. Like, you may think I'm being sarcastic. Really. Praise Jesus for that. But maybe today the thing that God's talking to you about is just simply turning to a new chapter. Maybe maybe it's just time for a new chapter. Maybe you've gotten comfortable and God says, it's time to shake it up a little bit for you. God may be calling you to something new. God may be calling you to something big like Moses. God may be calling you to take a step of faith. And he's saying, I'm going to go with you. And no, you don't think you're qualified. And no, you don't think you're ready. But I'm calling you to this. It's time to take a step. Part of that, though, is being willing to close the page behind us, to close the chapter behind us. And look to the new chapter. This last week, I was uh, talking to Natalie Powell, our Ugandan missionary, on FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, Natalie, hope you're listening to Life Feed, Natalie. Love you if you are. Um, And so, uh, also, I'm about to talk about you, and we didn't okay this, so I'm sorry. But you're in Uganda. You can't do anything about it. And so, if you don't know Natalie, she is... uh, uh, she left in March to go help start a speech pathology clinic in Uganda, Africa. And so she's going to be there for uh, roughly two years. And she's doing great, doing fantastic. She was our first missionary as a church, which is awesome, right? And so anyways, so she's over there. And so we were just talking on FaceTime. And uh, she was kind of telling me how things were going. And, and literally one of the things she said was she said, Mike, I can't believe that I get to live here. 
Like she's like, I wake up every morning. I'm like, I'm in Uganda, Africa. I like, she's like, I wake up and just thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is awesome. The flip side of that though, and this is where I might get in trouble, um, is, uh, before she left, some things started popping up. And no, I'm not going to tell you what they are because they're personal. But some things started popping up that maybe made her start to doubt a little bit this call. This call that she had been so confident in, these little things. right? And they were like just the perfect things to mess with her heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like God's calling, and there's just the devil just, he knows exactly where to hit you. And so there's little things that start hitting her and hitting her and hitting her. And she started doubting and started questioning and she was afraid. And then she just kind of prayed through it and God confirmed. And she's like, I'm going. And part of it was like all these people had to raise this money and she had no choice now, right? Like, you got to go. And so anyway, she went. And as we were talking, she brought it up. And she was like, Mike, she goes, I cannot believe that I almost let those things keep me from doing this. She's like, she's like they see, in the moment, they seem so huge and now I look back and I'm like, that was nothing. And it almost got in the way of my call. It, it almost cut in the way of what God was directing me to do. And I think that's so true. Now, now maybe not, God's not calling us to Africa. Maybe he is, which would be awesome. But I think that's so true, even for these places in our lives where God calls us to a new chapter. He's calling us to turn the page. He's calling us to step out on faith in our hearts. And you know it, man. You just, you know it in here, what he's trying to do. And yet, we live in fear and we, instead of following and seeking, we're a little bit uncertain and we're a little bit afraid and it feels a little dangerous and it feels a little scary and so we question it. We don't ever turn the page because we're scared and it seems uncertain and we're just not quite sure. And, and here, here's what I will tell you though, River Church, as a Christian, following Jesus is going to stretch you. Following Jesus is going to challenge you. Following Jesus, he's going to tell you to turn the page on some things and take some big steps of faith. And if you haven't experienced that in a long, long, long time, you may not be listening very well. Was that harsh? He's going to challenge you. He's going to stretch you. He's going to grow you. And he may be, part of this growth is him challenging you to take, to turn to new chapters, to turn the page. He may be calling you to some things specific, even if it's a little scary. And that's called faith, man. That's called faith. And I know this, and I say this like in love, like, but we live in America, the land of like comfort and safety, right? And so what happens is, like literally, I could get a, I could get like on the way to my house, I could stop by like ten Starbucks, like just going in a straight line, right? See, I'm not exaggerating, right? Like one time, I googled a five mile radius of Starbucks at my house, and there was thirty within a five mile radius. Land of comfort, right? And so what happened is, over time, we become adverse to taking risks. And over time, we become adverse to, to stepping out on faith. And yet so much of the Christian life is based around faith. And I think that's one of the ways that the enemy twists us up is making us afraid to take these steps because we get so comfortable. Like comfort is, is more of an enemy of our faith than we realize. And sometimes it's God asking us to step out on something huge, like Moses, go to Egypt, right? Sometimes it's something small. Like, like sometimes it's like, hey, man, there's that coworker that I've been putting on your heart. Invite them to lunch, man, right? There's this book I've been putting on your heart. Read the book, right? And you, and you say, oh, that seems like such a little thing. I literally had my life changed by a lunch. 
I was meeting with a guy, talking with a guy, and he was asking me about the, my next step. And I was like, man, I just want to move to Texas and plant a church. And he said, well, why don't you? What's wrong with you? Guess what we did? Life changed by one lunch. Who knows? I've had my life changed by books that I've read that it challenged me, that opened up my mind to thinking about God in ways that I'd never thought, right? I don't know. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to a new chapter. Maybe God's telling you to turn the page. It's time to stop looking back. It's time to take the step of faith. What might God do? Let go of the fear. Let go of the past failures that keep reminding you of who you are. Get unstuck and let's go. Let's go. And this morning, I would say, if, you, if that's you, I would say, first and foremost, let's turn your heart to God. 1 Kings 5, 8, 58 says, so that he causes us to be devoted to him, walk in all his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinance in which he commanded our ancestors. What this is telling us to do is we need to turn our hearts to God. We need to surrender our hearts to God. And as we're turning, we're looking to this new chapter. We're saying, God, you're the boss. Maybe I'm a little scared. Maybe I don't want to let go of this sin. Maybe I'm not sure about this grace thing you're telling me about. Maybe I, I'm not sure about just taking this step of faith, God, you're the boss, and if you're telling me to do it, I'm going to go. Turn your, turn your heart to God and say, God, whatever you say goes. Then we've got to turn our mind to God. Like some of us want to walk like Jesus. We want to talk like Jesus, but we've never thought like Jesus. We've got to begin to think like Jesus. Jesus, in this situation, not what would Mike do. Remember the bracelets? What would Jesus do? Not what would I do? What, what would I think? What do I want out of this situation? But begin to get that understanding, that thought process. Okay, what would Jesus want? In this situation, what is Jesus? What is Jesus? What is his desire out of this situation? Colossians 3 2 says this set your minds on what is above, not on what is on earth. What does Jesus think in this situation? What does Jesus want about this sin? What does Jesus think about this? Not not what do I think about hard it is or how much I love it or what? What does Jesus think about this? Right, this, this chapter he's calling me to, what is Jesus, not, not my fears, not my anxieties, not, my, not all, the, all the reasons you could say why we can't do this, shouldn't do this, it's not a good idea, but what does, what's Jesus' idea about this situation? And I think if we do that, then that changes the way we see the whole thing, doesn't it? Right, because we're looking from my perspective, let's look from God's perspective down on me. Because I promise you, his perspective is a lot wiser, smarter, and better than yours <laughs> and mine then, man, when we can do that, then make a commitment and go. Take that step. Get, get, get to work. Take a bold step of faith. And, and let's use this summertime to cleanse that palate. Let's start something new. Let's turn the page. Let's, this, this summer, River Church, let's turn away from our sin. This, this summer, River Church, let's turn away from that guilt and that shame that has owned us. River Church, let's turn the page to that new chapter that God's calling you to. What, what might it be? What might it be? What might it be? We're going to worship here in a second. And as we do that, man, I just want to encourage you to seek that out in your heart. Maybe you already know. Right? But I want you to take this time and, and consider and think and pray on God. What are you calling me to here? God, what is this for me? Right? You're not here by accident. What is this for me? And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in this space today that God's, maybe you've never even been a Christian before. And maybe today's the day that God's saying it's time to turn the page on that old life. 
life that doesn't know me, the life that's never experienced me, the life, the life without me. It's time to turn the page and find hope and love and freedom in Christ for the first time. Who knows? Let's pray. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. God, thank you for the fact that you tell us, let's turn the page. God, I, I thank you that, that you set us free from guilt, that you set us free from shame, Lord, that you set us free from sin. God, thank you that you want to offer us life. Jesus, thank you that you give us the courage to take steps of faith because when we take these steps of faith, God, they literally, they change the course of our lives, God. I think of Moses taking that step of faith and, and what you did through him. I think, of, I think of Paul as he turned towards you, God, and took that step of faith and became a Christian and what you did through his life. God, I wonder what would you do in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our community if we followed those steps that you call us to, Jesus. So I pray today for everyone in this space, God, and I, I want to do something different this morning. You keep your eyes closed and I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you come up front. I'm not going to do anything weird like that, but I want to pray over you. And so this morning, if you're saying, man, God is calling me to this new chapter, whether it's sin, freedom from sin, from shame or to a new chapter, I want you to raise your hand right now. And now I'm just going to pray over you. Raise your hand right now, right now. All right. I'm going to pray. Keep your hand raised and I'm going to pray for you. God, these people who are bold enough to admit it's time for a new chapter, God. I just pray your favor over them this morning. I pray your blessing over them this morning. God, I pray that they would find life in you, God, that you would set them free from sin, God, that you would set them free from that shame, God, that you would set them free from guilt and that you would give them the courage, whatever one of these is, give them the courage to take that step of faith, that they would follow you and that they would find life today because of it, Jesus. God, thank you for new chapters, God. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.